to the Gym Podcast. Uncut, unfiltered, unreal. Welcome everyone to the Gym Podcast, season three. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Jimbo Fisher. Joining me today, the one, the only, the lovely, Randy Darsh. Hello everybody. I'm excited for this season of the Gym Broadcast. I'm excited for all the guests we're going to have. Oh my gosh. Um, I feel like we're both at a time in our life where we're a lot less hyper busy and stressed. So we're probably going to have a lot more uh, homework put into each episode. So. Homework. Interesting. Yeah. I hope I'm ready for the exam. This episode should be pretty chill, however. Um, I think we just want to start with a quick recap of what's happened over the last year. The off season. It's been a while, hasn't it, Randy? It has, and it's going to be a very chill episode. You know, seeing has how uneventful this off season was. Yeah, so. nothing really happened. It's very boring, uneventful. Yeah. Um, I mean, where do you even begin? I guess just like quick take out of the gate, Randy. Your thoughts on all the conference realignment chaos going on across the nation? Oh man. So on a macro level, I actually do think this is going to end up being good for college football. No, um, oh, I did because. <laughs> Here's the thing. We still really have three power conferences and some other kind of next tier conferences. I think it's going to be fine. The college football landscape is always changing. It's really just not that big of a deal. The only schools, I'm just going to be honest with you, the only schools that are really getting quote unquote screwed by this are Oregon State and Washington State. But like, I just, I just going to be at the end of the, at the end of the day, I just got to be honest, like, these schools average twenty five thousand fans a game. Don't have don't have big fan bases, and they really belong in the Mountain West. It's oh like it's not God. like we're saying they can't ever play football again, but it's like they're gonna look. You are entitled to thirty five million dollars a year by birthright. <laughs> I just gotta be honest. The there's gates. a reason. There's a reason Oregon and Washington and Arizona and Arizona State weren't freaking out when all of this was going down, and it's because they knew their brands spoke for themselves. Out of the gate with the hot takes. Oh my yeah, god, man. dude! What about I Stanford? To, I had to give it. What about Stanford? Stanford they're gonna be fine. They they're have like the best well, program Stanford of the nation. Is like they have, they're like great at like a billion different sports, yeah. right? Yeah, they, they literally have like that the most fine. titles of any team in like so, cumulative. I actually looked into this. I tried to actually do a little bit of research instead of just going off conjecture. Okay, but the California schools actually have pretty decent average attendance. Really. Um, like, so I even looked at UCLA's. UCLA's is like, what, 46, 47,000? Which really is not bad. That's a pretty average for a Power 5 team. And they're the school that everybody, you know, dunks on as the team to make fun of for lack of attendance. Yeah. But their attendance is actually fine. These California schools are fine. They have people showing up to the game. So it's, it's just really... Washington State and Oregon State. Like, you're, you're singling out these two teams as the problem. Washington child. State had 22,000 average fans at a game, at each that's game. Bad. That is that is horrible. That is bad. worse than most of the group of five. And like to be honest, if that's what you're gonna give us when you know that your existence as a power five team is at stake, when you know you need to be showing up, that's what you give us. <laughs> like you're showing where you belong, to be honest with you. Why would why should I shed tears for Washington State and Boise Washington State and Oregon State when like teams like Boise State and UCF Randy. and ECU I've just been getting shafted and shafted and shafted. I, you're, you're preaching in the choir, Randy. Yeah. These takes, dude. I wasn't ready for this. I, I, I'm so happy to be back, Randy. I'm so happy to be back doing this. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I think like this is really kind of, it feels like the last year before we have some really serious, you know, huge changes coming to the sport between the conference realignment and, you know, obviously the playoff expansion coming pretty soon. 
Um, so I, I'm just going to try to soak it all in. But I'm looking forward to this season. I got a good feeling for my Badgers. I'm sure you got a good feeling for Alabama as well. Uh, Guys, Vanderbilt Vanderbilt has 12,000. 12,000 more, more fans per game. More. More per game than Washington State. I'm just saying. It just means more. That is, that is surprising. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm no, stuck no. on that. I'm stuck on that. It's it. fine. It's fine. Um, anything else we wanted to cover? I mean, so I, really, this episode, what I want to do is get to the mailbag. We asked the, the, the lovely users did, of Jimbo Can I say one thing? I did want to talk about the new Big Ten versus the SEC. I oh. actually had a point I wanted oh, to make. make was, just keep going. Keep going. For one, given all of this, the SEC actually really didn't do anything this offseason, but I like how between the SEC, Big Ten, and Big 12, mm-hmm. and even the ACC, the SEC is actually doing the best job at keeping it regional. Come making on. Sure a regional conference. How, with that being said, I like that the Big Ten now has Oregon and Washington because they actually have like a strong enough contingent on the West Coast to where yeah. it's going to be... They're going to play each other. I mean, that's just how it is. Those West Coast teams are all going to play each other, so they almost have like a quasi hat within the Big Ten. And they're probably going to schedule uh, Cal and Stanford out of conference. It, it, exactly. I think when you consider like there's three out of conference games and then you're going to have like at least three, you know, West Coast games per year. Like, that's half your schedule. You're still in the Pacific, you know, Northwest area. I would like to see Stanford and Cal join the Big Ten, um, just so, like, we could have a more defined kind of, like, West Coast region. You know, it, it would help actually keep West Coast football, I think, alive <laughs> in, in the I agree interim. With you. Um, I agree with you, because I think Utah and Colorado and Arizona, Arizona yeah. State are going to be great in the big 12 yeah they, they were they were never really coastal schools in a way despite being in the pac 12 so um but yeah if to your point with the sec i got a feeling when you know I, I don't be surprised when clemson or florida state or miami come knocking and i know it's still regional but i i, I don't think that the conferences are done expanding if that makes any sense I I have no idea how it's going to end up because I don't know if they're going to like try to do the super conference breakaway from the NCAA thing. I don't even think they're going to do that. I think at a certain point, there's just too many mouths to feed, and you're going to end up in a situation where in 15 years, the tops of these conferences are going to say, well, there's too many of these lower teams. Why don't we now break off? So you have to kind of, there is a cat before it becomes very unstable. It's, It's a crazy time. It's a crazy time. I think we're going to look back on this era and think what the hell was going on. So, yeah, be fun. before the dust settles, the dust will settle eventually. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else this offseason, Randy, you want to talk about before we get to the main event of this episode? Uh, no, I really think that it's about covers it. I didn't want to go too in depth in the right. offseason. Right. We'll, we'll, just, uh, just get that off my chest. We'll return to this at some point. Wisconsin does play Washington State in week two. So I'm, I'll probably go off on a rant myself during that year. Um, that said, uh, I think it's about time we do get to the main event here, which is the questions, the mailbag, if you will. We asked lo- the lovely people of Jimbotopia to provide uh, one question for the Jim Podcast crew uh, heading into week zero. And I have a list here of like a dozen or so questions from people. Um, I think let's just go in chronological order. Does that sound good, Randy? Just kind of go in the order uh, they came in? Sounds good to me. Okay. Do you want to read these off or should I? I'll read them. Okay, so we'll start with Posty. Okay. What is Indiana's path to the national championship? Well, you do get a home game versus Ohio State in week one. So, is mean, that the, probably, that's their first game? 
That is their first game is Ohio State. Oh my god. Let first me... game of the season. Me... I do like that the Big Ten is now opening with conference, big conference games like that. It is nice. It's a shame it's Indiana though versus Ohio State. I mean that's I think no we one's gonna watch Indiana that. Indiana listeners, let's be nice. We they, do. they're trying. So I look I just looked it up. The line currently, OSU is favored by twenty seven and a half. Um I'll say this, Posty, if Indiana can keep it uh, within twenty seven and a half points, in my mind that is their national championship. So I think that's your path. Just just play Ohio State close, and you'll get it. Good... relative and play, and you get you're gonna have chances at Michigan, at Penn State versus Wisconsin. We play them. Ooh. Yeah, you do. So you have some chance. I mean, the thing about playing that many top teams is that obviously you're probably not going to win them. No, but that gives you more opportunities to win one. Maybe like a long term path for Indiana. Like like is there like a ten year plan where like Indiana becomes a national powerhouse? Is that even well, possible? I'm I, technically it is i really okay so this was kind of one of these points i was trying to make um okay. previously in, in my little beginning rant is that really for a lot of these teams for teams like indiana northwestern vanderbilt yeah this conference tv money is a great equalizer for them because it is a crap ton of money that's true that's that's that can be spent on recruiting facilities coaching salaries etc 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 that really equalizes them they need like a conference. they need a Dion kind of moment. I think I think they need just like a surprise hire that comes out of nowhere. They need a flash hire, a really flashy hire, a guy that can recruit. Yeah, that's going to bring attention to the program and recruits to the program. That's really what it boils down to. The state of Indiana, I mean, it has Notre Dame, and they're like very nationally relevant, right? So it's not like it's impossible to win that region. Uh, I just think Indiana has no history at football at the moment. and uh, It just takes the right coach coming in and right, doing it. That's, right. that's what it takes. All right. Great question, Posty. Really appreciate it. All right. Aflimicon. Need to know everyone's go-to Culver's <laughs> order. I love this. Well, mine is definitely the Kurder Burger. Yeah. With, with the, uh, what is it? The concrete mixer? Concrete mixer. Yep, yep. It's like a butter buttercream concrete mixer that I've had. Interesting. You've had Culver's twice now? How many times? Yes twice i've had it twice i probably had it twice in the last month uh, my go-to i'll just say it like i was at the register hi can i please get a plain double cheeseburger with a side of large cheese curds and i'll have a regular size concrete mixer with reese's peanut butter cups Dude, there you go it it hits oh oh and the cheese sauce and the cheese sauce their cheese sauce is so good i just i'll dip my burgers in them Shout out to All right, next question is from Saxo Steve. Will Florida squirts for Mertz? Obviously, this is in reference to Graham Mertz now transferring to Florida, former Wisconsin quarterback. I'm just going to say this. After like a week or two mm-hmm. of Billy Napier seeing Graham Mertz in person, <laughs> Ohio State's had a, a Ohio State's quarterback transferred there, Jack Miller. So, like, that shows that Billy Napier told this dude, yeah, just go ahead and transfer in. Yeah, I, the thing about Mertz, dude, is, and you're going to see every Wisconsin fan say this, he shows flashes of looking pretty solid, but also makes a lot of boneheaded decisions. I mean, he throws a lot of picks, a lot of really questionable throws. He tries to force things, right? And in my mind, that that could be fixed with proper coaching. But I don't think Billy Napier is going to be the guy to do that. I don't think he's going to be the guy that's going to unlock, you know, Graham Mertz potential, uh, at least in my mind. And I, I wish the kid the best of luck, but looking at Florida Man and how poorly they did last year and, and how hard their schedule is this year, I don't even know if they make a bowl game, to be honest. It's a brutal schedule. Honestly, I think Graham Mertz is going to get destroyed. 
this this season. Florida just I don't know. Florida's been weird lately. They need to rebuild. They're gonna go six and six. Billy Napier's probably gonna get fired. Yeah. That's, that's they, they've been cycling through coaches now for like the last decade. It feels like right, like every three four they've years. Been longer than that. Yeah. Been longer than that. Well, like just every three four years. Yeah, yeah. Craziness. All right, from Depperdine. I'd love to hear FCS predictions, but if not that, anyone you've got paid to make some noise that no one's looking at. I'm thinking stories like New Mexico State or UTEP making bowls after significant periods of struggle. I actually have one. I'm going to go with UAB. I think they're going to have a pretty decent season and knock on the door of a New York Six Bowl. Um, the reason is they. I actually I didn't meet him. But I saw and kind of sort of ran into their starting quarterback when no I was at a, I was at the Fennec in downtown Birmingham a few weeks ago with some of my friends. And one of them goes to UAB and she was like, oh, hey, that's our quarterback right there. I'm like, who? Jacob Zeno. And that, sure enough, it was him. No way. So. Did he look athletic? Yeah, he looks athletic. I mean, he's, he's going to be, I think he's a junior, junior, senior. He's a veteran quarterback. He's been there a minute. UAB has a lot of returning talent. I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to have a good year. They only won six games last year, but they won nine the year before that, beating number 13 BYU in a pretty good bowl game. Of course. Um, they played pretty decently versus Liberty, who's you know pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't get completely embarrassed by LSU, but you know. That's a good sign. And they just they have, they have talent. I mean, there's a lot of talent in the state of Alabama that they can pick from. Right, right. We've all seen that. Uh, I'm going to choose a team that actually faces UAB this year for my G5 team to look out for. Uh, I'm going with Memphis. Memphis. And here's why. I've been looking at their schedule, and it's, like, oddly very favorable. They play an SEC team, but guess who? Missouri. Missouri at home. Don't tell me. Missouri could be good this year. I just have a feeling. I'm just saying, don't tell me that could be an upset. But really, looking at Memphis last year... Um, this is a team that has a lot of talent too, kind of like UAB, where like there's a lot of talent in state, you know, in Tennessee. But looking at them, they lost like four games in a row by like single touchdown uh, margins. Like five of their losses, five of their six losses last year, um, were all one possession games. So that tells me they're pretty competitive. I, I don't know, man. I think Memphis. I could see them being a dark horse to make a New York Six Bowl. Um, they're they're my official pick for like the the underdog uh, of the G five this season. All right. From Maladroy. Maladroy. Now, which of Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State is going to meet or miss expectations this year? Ooh, they are all in the same division, so I mean... This is a great question, by the way. This is like the first, like, very serious question. I really like it. Dev's question was serious, too, but, you know, this is... You're the Big Ten guy. You go for it. So this is uh, we'll we'll look at this in two directions. The the meeting expectations first, and then we'll hit up missing ones. I think meeting. I think Ohio State will meet them. And when I say expectations, I, I hear time and time again that Ohio State fans expect to beat Michigan and they expect to be in the national title conversation. I think both of those are going to be true this year. I think Ohio State people are. It's it, it boggles my mind, Randy. How, how people forget that Ohio State was one missed field goal away from presumably winning the national title last year. Why? No one talks about that. Everyone talks like it's a huge failure of a season, but they were one field goal away, and I know it's a game of inches, but I think Ohio State's the real deal, um, and I think they're going to meet their excitations this year. 
And they were up by two scores pretty much the yeah, entire time. They played quarter, them so they, incredibly they really well. They really were close. Because let's face it, they would have beat TCU. Oh, yeah. Probably by 50 game. points as well. <laughs> yeah. It was. Um, so, uh, who, what do you think, Randy? Meeting expectations. Do you think Ohio State will as well? or Missing expectations? Uh, so, I think Ohio State, I think they'll meet expectations. I think they'll be fine. I know they have like the same quarterback thing that Alabama has going on where they don't really have one, but. I mean, it'll get figured out. The quarterback's going to not be under a lot of pressure because he right. has all this talent around him. He'll be fine. He'll figure mm-hmm. it out with time. Um, Michigan, they have a pretty easy schedule. They do. Just kind of looking at it. They can ease into the season with three G5 games, and then they play Rutgers, and then they play Nebraska, Minnesota. It's, it's an easy, easy schedule. It gets harder to the end, but they'll, they'll be like 8-0 for sure. You know, I just feel like Penn State. Penn State. Penn State's almost the obvious. I don't know what Penn State's expectations are for the season, though. That's the thing because realistically, they now. should, they should compete. They should think of themselves as a potential CFP team, but I just don't see them making it. Right, unless there's a lot of chaos. I I think Michigan is going to miss expectations. There is so much hype for them. AP number two. Um, I just don't buy it. I think actually Penn State has the edge over Michigan this year. And I, I actually could see a scenario, Randy, where like Penn State goes like eleven and one, with one loss being to Ohio State. You could end up in a scenario where you have two Big Ten teams in the playoffs, then kind of like last year. But I, I think Michigan's not making the playoffs this year. I'll say it. I'll say I don't it. know because okay, I'm just gonna read off Michigan's schedule. I know North it's easy. Carolina, yeah, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana. That's the first, what, seven games? That's guaranteed. Then Michigan yeah. State, Purdue, which, I mean, okay. Mm-hmm. And then finally, Penn State, Maryland, Ohio State. It's so tough at the really, end. It's tough at the end, but, like, I mean, they, they're they going to have time to figure themselves out. That's and for true. a team like Michigan, they is gonna not, it's only going to be good for them. That's true. It'll be fun, though. It'll be fun for sure. I, I, I'd be really surprised if Michigan versus Penn State isn't an undefeated versus undefeated matchup. I'm just going to say Penn State because out of all of those three teams, I think they're going to finish third. Fair enough. Only time right, to tell. From X, from X, what's more likely to happen this <laughs> season? Wisconsin wins the Big Ten West or Alabama doesn't win the SEC West? Oh, this is like a really genuinely hard question that I've been thinking about today. I think it's pretty easy. I think it's way more likely uh, what's, what's more likely to happen. Well, I mean, I think, think about definitely it, Wisconsin wins the Big Ten West. You think yeah. so? I'm not I so mean, optimistic, Luke Fickle, man. year one. You're going to have year one Luke Fickle. The players, I think the players at Wisconsin really seem like they want a guy to rally around. That's, That's kind of the vibe I get from the players, just watching their body language. I'll give you that. There's a lot of hype, a lot of internal hype, I would say. Um, so there's going to be a lot of, yeah, desire to go out there and win the West, especially it's the last year for, you know, Big Ten and West. I mean, the thing with the Big Ten West is it's not – a tough division, just to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty easy division compared to the Big Ten East. No, I, I acknowledge that. We, we should win. But that said, Alabama... We should win, exactly. Alabama not winning the East. I mean, I hate to say yes. it, but LSU, dude. I mean... That, I'm not honestly that concerned about it. Okay. Um, we had a lot of issues, coordinator issues last year. I think everybody on the team, Josh Pate has said this a lot, and I very much agree <laughs> with it. Pate like, It was like last year, the coaching was, the coordinators were so bad that the players were like, whatever, we'll just trust Bryce and Will Anderson. This year, they kind of know they can't do that. So they know we don't have a quarterback, so they're all trying to like step up because they know they have to. They don't have right. you know true alpha dogs on the team they can lean on. And let's face it, we have so much freaking talent 
it scares me. I know it scares me. Like it, it's fine. Should be should be good to see though. I'm I'm gonna look forward to revisiting this question at the end of the season. All right, trend. Your go-to Pizza Hut order is definitely the dinner box that has like the cinnamon sticks, the bread sticks, and the pepperoni square pizza. I'm trying to find. There's that it's like, like post... twelve dollars. There's it's like twelve dollars. It's great. There's the perfect amount of food for two people. Do you remember that post I made years ago where like I like posted a prediction of what my pizza order would be on like my iPad, and then I had like the Pizza Hut order on my table. I if you don't remember this, I don't know. It was one of my first posts I made on our slash CFB card. <laughs> but nice. but the go-to is definitely pan pizza, large, pepperoni, extra sauce, light on the cheese, breadsticks, boneless wings, mild, uh, Cajun French fries. Yeah, That's... I will say Pizza Hut's definitely probably the highest quality chain pizza because I had Domino's the other day. Yeah. I had a pepperoni pizza from Domino's the other day, and it tasted. It tasted the way wet dog smells. No. And I was, I don't what? know, I just couldn't do it. Was it hand tossed or pan? I, it was just regular pizza, which I think is pan. No, it'd be the hand tossed then. They're, the hand dude, tossed. try their pan. Just with the two for six nine and I don't know. It's no. just the way it tastes. Trust man. me. It's just not as, pizza has better. For what it's worth, Randy, I've, I've seen a lot of um, quality control issues at different Domino's. You know, sometimes you'll go to a Domino's and it's really well ran and the staff is clean and, and, and knows what they're doing. And other times you'll go to a Domino's and wonder, how is this place even open? You know what I mean? But needless to say, I mean, I I, I think you should give their pan pizza a shot. Just just like next time you're there, get the pan pizza, Randy. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll listen. We have Pizza Fridays at work where we all order pizza Ooh. together. So okay, we'll, we'll see how that goes. All right. All next. right. From Hash Brown three one two one three two. Who will be the most fun to watch? I don't want to sound like I'm sucking up to him because he asked this question, but you already know where I'm going with this, uh, right? Beamer. I like South Carolina in no this because there's, it's really it's going to be really hard to genuinely predict uh, what their record's going to be. They have Spencer Rattler, who by all means was hyped up, struggled, but then is obviously improving. Right. Um, last year, what they ended the game last year with two top ten wins in a row. What was it? Let Tennessee, it wasn't it? I think they beat Tennessee at home. They beat Tennessee and they beat they won at Clemson and they beat Tennessee in back to back weeks. Dang! They went eight and four. They played Notre Dame in the Gator Bowl and lost by a touchdown, but that's okay. Um, they showed improvement throughout this season. They have an exciting quarterback that's improved a lot. I think they're going to be a fun team to just watch. Maybe not like. On a game by game basis per se, like they're not going to have these flashy super right. Johnny Manziel plays, right. but they're going to be the most interesting team to watch throughout the season, especially because in week three they play at Georgia. Ooh. If they beat Georgia at Georgia, I mean, that'd be huge. That'd be actually like design. massive for their program. Yeah, but they do have a very tough schedule. I'll keep an eye on them. Uh, a team I'm keeping an eye out is actually in a similar ish situation where you have the transfer quarterback who is kind of, uh, you know, uh, glowing up, shall we say, in their new home. I'm taking it out west to the new Big Ten school, the Oregon Ducks, as my most fun team to watch this year. Uh, Bo Nix, listen, he's loose. He's having fun. And they were really good last year, dude. Like, I, looking back at Oregon, um, obviously they got blown up by Georgia to, to, to open the season. But after that, they won like eight in a row. Their last two losses were both by like three points. This team, I, I, I agree with Josh Pate, actually. 
I think they should be a top five team. I think they're the best team in the Pac-12. I think they're the Pac-12's best chance of making the playoffs ever again. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye out for the Ducks, man. I agree with you there because they have a ton of talent. They're like they top five in talent composite right now. Um, and part of that is because they had Mario Cristobal, mm-hmm. who's an amazing recruiter, as their coach for a little bit. So they are stockpiled with talent. Now's the time. It's now or never now's for the Pac-12. So, like, this is this yeah. is actually it. <laughs> All right. From Lobro, kiss, marry, kill. Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban, Lane Kiffin. Definitely marry Nick Saban. No. Definitely kiss Lane Kiffin and definitely kill Jimbo Fisher. I'm going to swap two of those. I'm going to kill Nick Saban. I am going to kill Nick Saban. You you got that on record. And I'm going to kiss Lane Kiffin. In Minecraft. In Minecraft. And I'm going to marry Jimbo Fisher for obvious reasons. Is that fair? All right. Is that fair? I think it's fair. (laughs) All right. From Sorochungus. When West Coast Big Ten teams go play East Coast Big Ten teams, do you think that the members of the West Coast team's marching band will outnumber the amount of the West Coast team's fans? Yes. Yeah, I Actually, yes. I think that is going to happen. I think like when a team like, uh, let's say Ohio State, right? Ohio State travels out to UCLA in the Rose Bowl. You can't tell me. Like, like visualize that in your head. They're, like The entire stadium is going to be red. There aren't going to be UCLA fans there, right? Like that is that's Ohio State's home game. Effectively, it's it's you know. So, so you're actually mishearing the question, but I, uh, you're bringing up a great point. I am. I, that, like, the, I legitimately do think Ohio State fans are just gonna like fill out some of these stadiums. It'll be and, great. And Nebraska fans, really. Yeah. But are we saying just He's the marching band? Traveling. Are we saying just the marching band? He's saying, will the Big Ten teams marching the West Coast teams marching band outnumber the oh, West Coast when they fans come here? The when they come here. Um, yes. No. Yeah, they will. Because no one Absolutely. from no one from LA is going to want to come to Wisconsin in November, right? Yeah. yeah not, I mean, not that I blame them, but like, no, I can't you gotta, blame come on. No. Go out, go out and see some nature, man. Your best bet is uh, you're going to have some alumni who maybe moved there, or like lifelong, you know, USC bandwagoners who live in Ohio, like that kind of thing. I was right? going to say, Big Ten, Big Ten college towns are a little bit more, I guess, uppity than SEC college towns. <laughs> So they might have some alumni out there. And I just know how West Coasters are. Well, let's just be honest for a second. It's going to be really fun, though, to see, like, what happens with, like, yeah, when when a team like Michigan, you know, travels to Oregon. Like, is it going to be, like, a neutral side game, practically? I don't know. I don't know. It'll be fun to watch. Very true. Let's keep it going. All right. So let's keep it going. Bro down. What's your top five best divisions in college football right now? SEC West, Big Ten East, obviously. And then what? After that. <laughs> that's, those are like the one and two. I don't two. know. Does the pack? Does the pack still have divisions? That's the thing. That's the thing. Like the Big Twelve doesn't. Does it? Does it? They. I'm googling this now. Because um, with all the conference realignment, I don't know. I was going to say, if the Pac North hypothetically still existed, I would say that because Oregon State's actually poised to be pretty decent this year. That's true. They have DJU and they have a really good offensive line and an okay defense, physical. What about the ACC? And then Oregon and Washington the are going to be good. Dude, Stanford, I think, plays They've gotten the rid North. of all the divisions, man. They've gotten, like, uh, this is ridiculous. They yeah, got... that's what I'm saying. It's hard to answer this. And plus, it's oh. like with so much realignment happening, like, true, true. the Big 12 is in this weird spot where they're going to have, like, what, 20 teams for one year, <laughs> and the next year they're going to have, like, yeah. back to 18 years. I don't even know. 
Dang, this is a good question, but I, I feel like it's hard to answer considering I think only the SEC and the Big Ten are the the only P5 schools with divisions right now. There's AC, the ACC has divisions. No, no, but, no, dude, they I don't. Mean, they, they scrapped don't? them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look it up. They scrapped them for 2023. I don't, I don't believe you. I'm gonna Google it, up. dude. Google it. They did. Okay, they did. you're not lying. Wow. Okay. Um, this is so there's no other divisions. I mean, we we literally cannot answer this question. <laughs> is there other AAC? Are there like American divisions? Let's see. Um, let Let's see. Let's see. No, even the AAC doesn't have divisions, dude. No one has divisions anymore. This is ridiculous. Oh, we, we can't. Yeah, answer. There, there are five. Answering this question. <laughs> This is ridiculous. Yeah, I think he knew this. This is probably this is on purpose. This is a trick, bro. Down, it's a you trick got question. Us. You got us. That's a very interesting juxtaposition, though, because I hadn't even considered that there's really no divisions yeah. for at least for at least the you know very near future. Yeah, I think pods are the future, honestly. With these like mega conferences, I feel like that's probably realistically. It probably we're is. I know the SEC is moving to something like that in a couple years, and I'm fine with it. I mean. Yeah. You kind of need to. I just need to see us play football, man. Yeah, right. We're getting that. Unless you're Oregon State. They're still playing. All right. Cameron from Cameron, Texas. Yeah, I think Texas. Uh, Do you think they're, they're going to go like eight and four, nine and three? Eight Texas and no is way. going to be Texas A&M. Texas right. is now Texas A&M. Like that's that's literally what they're going to be. It's what they have been they've, for the I was going to say, they've kind of been Texas A&M, I feel like. They're, these teams are so similar, <laughs> you know? It's weird how similar they are. It's actually kind of funny. First I, of all, they're going to lose to us. They're probably going to lose to Baylor in Week 4. They're going to definitely lose to Kansas in Week 5. Kansas? Oklahoma's probably going to beat them in Week Dude, 6. I mean, are they, making a bowl they game? are staring down the barrel of 2 and 4. What about Arch? What about Sark, Dude. Do you not believe in Sark? Arch played. Arch Manning played middle school teams as a <laughs> senior in high school. Is he? Is this his first year? Is this his true freshman year? Yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, he's not the starter, but he'll be. You know, on the sidelines. It looks like. All right. I think Texas is not back, but I think they could be when they join the SEC. What makes you say that? I think. I think the reason they've struggled is because Texas A&M joining the SEC earlier than them kind of overshadowed them as, like, the premier in-state school. You know what I mean? Like, for a while there, when you thought about Texas football, you weren't necessarily thinking of the Longhorns. You were thinking of Baylor and TCU and A&M. But I think Texas and the SEC, is it, like, when they join the SEC, it's going to be definitive. Like, they will be the team in the state. And I think that's going to have a, a ripple effect down the line. Uh... What do you think? I don't know about that. I mean, it's Texas. They dude. need to actually win something. They need to win something. Make it. They could do that if they made the CF. I'm not saying they have to win a CFP game, but they no, have to actually make the college football. Well, playoff the 12 game. team, the 12 team playoff dude is coming. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna make that probably at some point. Yeah, that's probably true. But I don't know. I just I really don't see it for them. They're gonna be what Texas A&M is. Talented but mediocre. Yep. All right, great question, Cameron, as always. Great analysis. All right, DK, thoughts on Florida State being overrated? I actually agree with this. Sorry, Lobo. Sorry, Lobo. Um, I think they have the lowest blue chip ratio out of all like the projected top ten. They're number eight, it looks like, in the preseason poll. I know they have the lowest that can't be right. blue chip ratio. They're talented. That can't be right. 
It's Florida State. I mean, all of the top 10 is going to have a high blue chip ratio. Let me look up their exact talent deposit. Let's check it out, yeah. It is. I feel like I see Florida State getting, like, big-name recruits all 17. the time. That, I mean, that's not bad, dude. I mean... Zero five stars. Wisconsin's, like, 50th, and we finished top 25 every now and No, so I don't you know. are 28th, and you have one five-star. Look out, world. Um, I Look mean, for what, world. It's, for what it's worth, like, Florida State at 8... Maybe a little bit overrated. I think the thing is, like, I don't see a lot of people talking about Florida State as a playoff team. You know? I think people see them firmly as, like, best-case scenario, a New York Six kind of team. And I, I think I can agree with that. The thing is, in week one, they open versus LSU, which is going to be very tough. And then in they week four, year. they have to play at Clemson. That they did not win last year, but... I don't know, man. They pulled off the upset last year against LSU. Um, that was Brian Kelly's literally first ever. <laughs> you think so? I don't it's, know, man. It, it is what it is, and it was also actually it was game two, week two. But that's true. That's true. But their quarterback, though Florida State's quarterback, um, who I'm blanking on his name right now, is dynamic. Um, like really, really, really good. What is his name? Jordan Travis. Jordan Travis. I should get to know that name because I think I think there's a there's a there is a chance he could be in the Heisman conversation come November if if Florida State has a great season. For what it's worth, dude, like go look up Jordan Travis's highlights from last year and especially that LSU game. The things he does every now and then are are genuinely mind blowing. The dude is an athletic freak, and it, it, I, I don't know, man. Looking at their schedule, it is kind of tough to start with LSU and Clemson, but after that, it's smooth sailing. They're probably going like ten and two. Fair enough. I mean, I could see it. I could see it. But that's not them being back to what Florida State is kind of used to based off their history. So I guess. It's a step in the right direction. Let's hope so. All right. Can you elaborate on how Caleb Williams and USC could lose to San Jose State in Week 0 from Bama Side Up? from Bama Side Up, yeah. That would be hilarious. I could actually see, see was, it happening. What was SJSU's schedule? Or like, what was their record last year? That's what I'm looking up because I thought I felt like they were actually pretty decent. Uh, we're very prepared. Yeah, to seven and five. They were seven and five. They beat Hawaii. It's they beat bad. Colorado State. They beat Nevada. Dude, they played Auburn they close. They played Auburn close. They, yeah, by, lost by a touchdown. They didn't really get blown out in any of their games. Yeah, a lot of so, close. I mean, they're you know they're pretty decent. The the way they would upset USC is USC just being not ready for week one and being caught off guard, which. I could very much see. Well, who's USC's USC schedule week today? two? Is USC looking ahead? Like, do they have a tough opponent week two? No, they no, don't. they play Nevada, but I mean, yeah. yeah. Think about Caleb though, dude. I'll say this: they have Caleb Williams. They might just be ready. Um, I'm trying to remember. There was one year where they almost lost week one to was like it was one of the directional Michigans. I'm gonna say this right it. now: Caleb Williams, for as talented as he is, strikes me. As a slacker, Oof. I think if I had to sum up his 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 demeanor in one word, it's it's slacker. That's how you end up losing to Tulane, and I think that's you're asking like how Caleb Williams and USC lose to San Jose State in Week Zero. That's how it's from him being a slacker. It's from him probably right now eating Doritos and playing Roblox on his couch. I don't think he's watching film. I don't think he's like in the gym. He's probably not focused in practice. Not listening to the coaches. That's how you lose uh, to San Jose State. I sadly agree. I think he's just going to completely overlook them and not respect the opponent. I mean, they're probably still going. They're to still going to win, but, but I, I do expect him to not respect them. 
for what it's worth. I think exactly. both, both can be true. They, yeah. they, they could come out and surprise the world. Who knows? It's a night game. It's a night game. Should be fun. And you know, San Jose State has probably got, like, their entire summer, is, Dude. their entire workout is like, they're just, like, chanting, you, <laughs> USC. That's they're probably so playing the, the dang USC Trojan fight song or whatever. And they walk around forever. I, I'm like, I'm serious though. Yeah, like, they're gonna be ready. Yeah, Look they're gonna be emotionally and mentally ready for this. It's their Super Bowl. It's their Super Bowl, so should be fun. All right. Well, I think that is the final question we had here. Uh, thanks again, everyone, for sending in your questions. Really appreciate it. I hope to incorporate. I actually really like this format. By yeah. The way. I hope to incorporate more of these kind of like Q and As, just because they're really good like topic starters that we normally wouldn't think of. <laughs> so. Um, shouts out to everyone who uh, submitted them. Really appreciate it. Uh, before we wrap up today's episode, uh, just wanted to do one quick Week Zero preview. We always do the previews for games, for like the biggest games of the week. Uh, really, with this Week Zero is kind of uneventful, but there is one decent-ish game potential potentially here, which is Navy versus Notre Dame. Randy, your thoughts so on this? Looking at Navy's Navy's record was four and eight last year. Not good. Um, Not good. But that means, based on how like these service academies work, that means they're going to randomly have like eleven wins this year. That's true. It looks like when they played Notre Dame last year it was only a three point game, and Notre Dame ended up being decent, and that was like an end of the year game. So does correct me if I'm wrong. Does Navy still do like the the option running stuff, or have they moved past that at this point? Because I think that, um, that plays a big role in this. Yes, they do. Because I, I feel like with the option, you know, you're inherently, you have the potential to kind of like battle with just about anybody, just just from the, your style of play, you know, being so weird. Um, but that said, Notre Dame has had the whole offseason to prepare for this one game, if that's the case. Um, that's I, true. I think Notre Dame ends up winning this one pretty comfortably. I think it might start out kind of slow. You know, they, the Navy might give them a scare in the first half, but... I think Notre Dame's talent and leadership pulls through in the end. I think they win like 37 to 21. Yeah, I think 37 to 21 is a good score prediction for that. All right. I, I mean, it's not Marcus Freeman's first ever game. No. Like, they're going to no. be a little bit more ready for the moment than they were game one, game two last year where they lost to Marshall. Right, right. I think, yeah, because Notre Dame definitely improved as they're the year went on. They're now quarterbacks anyway. That, uh, well, hey, topical. <laughs> I guess one <laughs> final prediction before week zero. Who's going to be the starting quarterback for Alabama this year? Gonna be Noah. Uh, 100% think it's gonna be Noah. His upside is way too good. He's actually started games for us. Granted, he was a freshman, so like he had some mistakes, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. I just don't think Buckner has the it factor. He's turnover prone, as is Milrow. I think Ty Simpson's just not ready. Lonergan's just not ready. I think Milrow's gonna take command of the team naturally. I think what's gonna happen is in like week one when we play Middle Tennessee State. Milrow's going to come out. He's going to make some freakish athletic play. The rest of the team is going to rally around him. And Nick Saban's going to be like, well, they're rallying around him, so he's going to be the guy. Because wow. that's how Nick Saban chooses his quarterback, is who does the team rally around? And Milrow has that freakish body type, like the Cardell Jones body type, the Cam Newton body type, where like the players just respect him for it. That scares and me. And I think the other quarterbacks just don't have the confidence or the ability, like in Buckner's case, ability, but in the other two, since they're freshmen, mm-hmm. the confidence to really sling it out and earn, earn respect that way. That's true. That that your, your analysis scares me as an Alabama hater. Uh, but 
should be interesting to watch. I'm, I'm kind of excited that, you know, a lot of these top schools like Alabama, uh, Ohio State this year, Georgia, uh, they're all getting new quarterbacks, right? We're finally getting some new, new faces here um, in the QB position. So looking forward to uh, seeing how that plays out. And just in general, Randy, looking forward to filming or recording rather <laughs> more and more episodes with you of the Jim Podcast. It's going to be back. It's going to be back. It is good to be back. I'm so excited for football. It's hard to believe it's this I Saturday. I know. Like, it doesn't feel like it, dude. Days. It doesn't feel Five like days, really. Hard to believe. But uh, regardless, looking forward to the games. And uh, well, until next time, roll tight. I'm a constant.